Welcome to Subject to Change with Stephen Lentz. I interview business owners and execs and take a look at who they are, what they do, and where they come from. There's no script. We talk about our businesses, passions, and anything else we want to. Thanks for listening. Welcome back to Subject Exchange. Today I'm talking with Carrie Ann Powell, founder of Trafalgar Strategies. How are you doing, Carrie Ann? Hey, Stephen. So for everyone listening, we were just on like a 10-minute rant slash binge of our favorite 90s cartoons. Absolutely. And it was phenomenal. And I forgot to mention DuckTales. I think I've said this before. Yes, like yes, yes, yes. A yes. long time ago mm-hmm. in a different episode. But Scrooge McDuck is one of my favorite kid characters really because I, I feel like for like Halloween no but I, I mean like as far as a cartoon character that had just a complex personality and character is- development I feel like the Scrooge McDuck from the old I haven't seen the new one that got re-released but the old Scrooge McDuck mm-hmm. you know 90s cartoons yeah. is one of my favorite cartoon characters bar none I think they did a good job of writing that one they, really they, did. they did like his ambition and drive, like he is 100% like Scrooge, but at the mm-hmm. same time, he is a thousand percent caring for his family. Yeah. Like he will do anything for his nephews. And I feel like that aspect of him gets overlooked and kind of like pushed to the side when people think of like Scrooge McDuck, like, oh, you know, super miserly and like oh, yeah. throws the penny in the, the cup and then runs back because he thinks it might've been a nickel and like takes it back out and makes change for one penny. Like whatever it is, right? They're like, ah, Scrooge yeah. McDuck, boo. Yeah. But the humanization aspect of that character is phenomenal to me. And, and you know, that's actually really, it's complex because when, when you sort of look at, you know, you know, cartoons written for children, mm-hmm. they kind of have to be very sort of like black and white. You know, the person is either mean and, you know, really awful or is a good guy because, you know, I don't know if they feel that they need to do that in order to kind of show the distinctions. But mm-hmm. to show that sort of, you know, a little bit of complexity for children to be able to be like, oh, well, they're not completely bad. I think it's actually, you know, ahead of the time. It's <laughs> it's very cool. And just like they tie in his like entrepreneurship into yes. a lot of the stuff. Like, I don't know if you remember, he, remember he goes that, yes. back to like Ireland or Scotland or wherever he was from, right? And there's like all the druids and like haunting right. the castle. Totally. Because as I think to my head, I actually don't like when I think of his character I wasn't like a huge that was like one of my favorite favorite ones but Mm -hmm. when I think of his character I didn't really think of him as completely mean per se Mm -hmm. but I do have the sort of like he was a business person you know what I mean Mm -hmm. and a little business thing going on (laughs) yeah I mean they really play into like the greed and kind of like his weaknesses and vices but at the same time they really also play into his creativity and like ambition and ability to make plans and make like find the best deal and like I said before take care of his family like his mm-hmm. his nephews are the most important thing to him and he would give up his you know number one dime to get them back yeah now, he won't actually give it because he's got a way to work it around so he keeps it but like he would be willing to give it up if that meant you know his money or his boys and I think just yeah. his character is amazing and I think under undervalued if you will yes. So, <laughs> <laughs> we, we raise an ale. <laughs> Perfect. So, but anyhow, I digress. What? Please tell me what is Trafalgar Strategies? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, Trafalgar Strategies is a um, a business strategy consulting firm. Um, we do we work with small and mid sized uh, companies that primarily service based companies, and we help them really. Um, 
look at, you know, depending upon what the challenges they're facing, um, be able to look at things strategically, come up with solutions, create execution plans. And we actually stay with them until, you know, for a year, you know, we, we, our engagements are for a year. We stay with them until they are able to execute. And if there are any bumps in the road, we're with them. And we help to sort of, you know, make sure that whatever the challenges that they were facing that brought them to us, Mm -hmm. we're able to, you know, really at the end, um, eliminate them. So we really like to say, you know, one of our, uh, I guess maybe taggy linesy type things that we, that we say is, you know, we know that running a, a small business can feel like you're trying to manage a chaotic tornado, but you know, here at, at Trafalgar Strategies, we help you run your business smoothly. <laughs> so, nice. you know, we really believe that running a business does not have to be this, you know, chaotic, crazy, you know, pull your hair out kind of thing. You can run a thriving business, even as a small and mid-sized business owner, and you can walk away and have a vacation if you need to by creating some systems and processes and strategies in place. So I really have a, I'm a strong proponent of people being able to live their lives. So you'd say you bring, so you'd say you bring the business savvy of Scrooge McDuck so your clients can swim in their money bins. Well, you know, there it is. Maybe that's why I didn't think he was mean. <laughs> but, you know, I, I think, yeah, I, I think that it's important to be able to swim in the money bins and whatever it is that looks like thriving to you. So we often say, you know, we help business owners, you know, thrive in business and in life. So whatever life looks like for you. And for many people, it's spending time with family. It's being able to you know, you know, pursue their interests to be able to live life. And if if all you're doing all day long is running a business, running a business, running your business um, with no other sort of interests or nothing, no capacity to to live, then, you know, you just got a job. Not yeah. fun. Yeah. So when you said like small, mid-sized business, what does that mean to you? Is it kind of like the solopreneur? Is it, you know, staff of five to 15? Where, what's kind of your cutoff? And Well, idea? I would say um, anywhere, you know, you know, really the truth, you know, small business um, considered in the U.S. is considered anywhere from 500 employees and, and lower. Mm -hmm. So, but I would say the folks that really come to me, um, they're probably maybe more than, you know, I think the smallest I've sort of worked with is about five employees. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, I've probably worked with companies that are about 200 employees. So I would say, but I think the sweet spot probably about 50 employees, 50 mm -hmm. to 100. And that's because by that point, you've got a company that already has a lot of um, already existing, because um, most people come to me because they're, is, they're, they're in pain. So, you know, there's sort of, there's some, there's mainly four reasons why there are many reasons, but they're the main big ones are they're having a difficult time scaling. They are having a cash flow issue. Mm -hmm. um, they are unable to walk away from the business because they're wearing way too many hats. So they, without feeling the business is going to implode, right? Or they are having a difficult time with, you know, building a strong team. So maybe in the right. early days, they might have, you know, you know, sort of hired cousin Susie and Auntie Becky because someone so <laughs> knew about social media uh -huh. and one was good at sales. But you know, now you know th those sorts of building early days isn't working, and they now to really build a, a more sustainable team. So those are the four main reasons. It just so happens, though, Stephen, that those four 
main reasons why people come to me are also the top four to five reasons why businesses fail. All businesses fail, not small businesses, all businesses fail. 80%, 82% of businesses fail because of a cash problem, running out of cash. So if you're having a cash flow problem and they're coming to me with pain, this is not like a, you know, oh, well, you know, nice to have situation. <laughs> this is a, we need to address this situation. So, um, so usually when folks are in that place, then, um, you know, they're, they're a little bit bigger than say one person. I mean, I think I've actually had a couple of clients that are solopreneurs, but for the most part, they usually have teams, mm -hmm. but you know, if you're by yourself and you're having these problems, the risks are not as, as high. It's just, it's you, you know, obviously you may have invested a lot into the business, but it's not, it's you, but when sure. you start bringing on a team, you have a lot of, you know, vendors who rely on you, um, you can't hit payroll, can't pay your vendors, then that's when clients are like, oh, you know, I, I have to do something or else if I don't, the business is going to fail. Gotcha. So when someone reaches out to you, what exactly do they get, right? Are you more ops focused or are you a fractional CMO or? Well, no. So what we do is we're, what, what we, well, the first step we do is first, you know, sort of audit the company. Cause it's like, mm -hmm. we got like, you know, we have a, a four, you know, those four, say someone's coming in and saying, Hey, we've got an issue with, you know, revenue, for instance, mm -hmm. cash. Um, we'll, we'll audit based on, you know, there's sort of these eight, you know, proprietary components that I really think of that are really necessary for small and mid-sized companies to be able to succeed. So I audit based on those eight, you know, important factors. Sure. Because what happens is, you know, folks say, okay, well, you're having a cash problem or, you know, can't scale. Maybe this is an issue of sales. So maybe you need to invest a whole bunch of money into your sales process and get more salespeople or whatever the situation is. That may not be the problem, Stephen. You know, sometimes you start looking after you do sort of a real assessment of the company, you realize maybe the problem is in the in the way the product formulation process took place. Maybe the product was great for a certain certain size of a population or a certain size of your customer needs, but it's not big enough. You know, the need is not big enough for you to be able to scale it even more than you already have. You know, people don't spend the time to think, oh, that could be the problem because no one wants to think their product's not, you know, going to mm -hmm. carry them through. So we do a, a full on assessment. Once we've sort of assessed what the problems are, we kind of do red, green, yellow kind of a thing, you know, fire, fire, fire. These are the things we must address. You know, yellow, mm, we need to get there. Green, you're doing well. Okay. So then we create an execution plan based on those, those things we've addressed, we've, mm -hmm. we've identified how we think that we can fix them. Mm -hmm. And, and those things could be, you know, those solutions could be anything right from sure. to rearrange your team to develop better leadership skills or, you know, whatever the thing is creating better systems and operating procedures, mm -hmm. whatever the issue is and what needs to be first in the, in the, in the, in the first, what's the first most important urgent thing that needs to be addressed. And yeah. then we stay with them. And as they begin to execute, we provide strategic guidance, um, really any sort of kind of, you know, when we see bumps, because, you know, they always say, I don't even know which one of our, you know, I don't know, general said this, but I've heard it all the time. It's like no plan or strategy really survives the, when it finally meets the enemy, right? 
So you can have a great idea, a great strategic plan to, to, to execute. But in the end, once you start executing it, that's when you start seeing where the bumps are. So mm -hmm. we stay with them until then. So we are really more of a strategic guidance. We provide um, uh, um, the sort of expertise to sort of see, okay, well, here's where you're going to hit a, hit a crook. So we'll go a little slow on this part. Now go fast. And being able to provide some some additional some some ex, some um, executive coaching as well. So mm -hmm. it's kind of strategic advice as well as um, coaching. Nice. And is Trafalgar Strategies a solo operation, or do you have other employees that also uh, yeah we we've consult got a, with or we've got a team, and um, I currently have um, consultants that work with some of my um, clients. And I'm actually right now in the place of bringing some of those consultants because I, I currently consult, um, contract other consultants to come in and work with some of my clients. But I'm actually now beginning this year. It's really exciting because um, I'm a small business too. So as I begin to grow, you know, um, bringing a lot of those consultants in-house. So nice. we have an already existing team that works full-time um, with the company. But in terms of the, um, the consulting team, those are, you know, consultants, um, contract workers that work with me and they've been working with me for a while. But now is the stage where I'm beginning to do what looks like. And again, you know, I practice what I preach, right? Mm -hmm. So I really believe in um, if you're going to, you know, when you start building your team, building it in a way that you can be able to have a, have a strong foundation, you know, sometimes, you know, there's entrepreneurs and I, and I love entrepreneurs because I'm one. So we kind of have this like, oh, let's do this. Let's do that. Let's do this. And I love that sort of part of the entrepreneur personality. But what ends up happening is, you know, we have this great idea. We put the shingle out and we just sort of go head first into it. Um, and then what ends up happening is, you know, when you start looking at how you're building your team, it's really important to kind of have built an organizational chart, even when you, even if, even if, even if you're a solopreneur and, you know, you build this organizational chart as you need, as you see the company needs, not be going online and finding somebody's org chart, but what your org chart would need to exist for your company as you envision it, you know, five years out to have. And you're obviously, your little name is going to be in every box, right? <laughs> but you create, um, you work, you work yourself out of a job. Yeah. Once you work that job, you know what it needs, the kind of personality it needs, the skill set it needs, the experience it needs. You write the job description, you write the the um the systems, the operating procedures, how you do what it is you that you do. You hire someone to fill to replace you in that role, you go to the next role. And that's how you build it. That way it's there's no confusion about you know, is your team operating? Can you even walk away and go on vacation without feeling the business is going to implode? You know, you have the right people sitting in the right seats doing what they need to do because you created it. That's really good. And I mean, you're totally right. Like, and that's, I think the hardest part for a lot of entrepreneurs is taking your name out of those boxes and handing that over and that control element. I think it was, it's difficult. We like shiny object syndrome and be like, oh yeah, yeah. Give me that other you know, X, Y, Z thing. Yeah. And <laughs> put my name in that box. Mm, feels good to have my name in a box, but like, <laughs> sometimes getting that control is difficult. And I absolutely. Yeah. And the thing that. is, you know, I always say one of the foundational things that I, that we talk about when, when folks come to me and I, I mean, I, 
even companies that have been around for 20, 25, 30 years and, mm-hmm. you know, and, and they come with a problem. I'm taking them through the same, the same process that I'm taking yeah. a company that's been around for two years because there's some fundamental things that people miss. So yes. one of the things is, you know, your exit strategy. How do you plan mm-hmm. to leave your business at some point? Yeah, you're like, well, you know, Carrie Ann, I just started it a couple of years ago. What do you mean? How am I going to like, what is your plan to exit your business? Because if you, if you have a plan to exit the business, you build a business accordingly. So if you have no plan, then you're going to always feel like you're just kind of in it. And so if you say, okay, my plan is to exit the business, you know, in five years and 10 years at this amount, I want to be able to sell it for X number, you know, X multiple, or maybe you might want to give it to your family, to your children or to the next generation. You have a plan for that. You know, you create, create insurance policy so that you'd be able to pay it off. Whatever it is that you need to do. If you have in your mind, this is the exit plan, then you build it accordingly. You don't sit in a box for the whole time. You're like, no, I got to get people in the box, you know, because if you don't, then you really don't have anything to sell. You really have a job. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like a lot of business owners, and I've said this before as well on other episodes, but they're in business by default, not by design. And they get that spot where they come to you like, I was good at plumbing and I got myself a van and started fixing things in the neighborhood and now what do I do what do I do I know you know I like for instance my aunt I have an aunt who I love dearly and Mm -hmm. she was an educator um and um in her in her career and then a a few years ago when she retired from education she started a, a preschool and um you know, these kids, I mean, these families, was just, she kept a small preschool, wasn't like she wasn't trying to make it really large, sure. but how she started building it, it just, you know, these families stuck with like, like these families would not leave. So they were just like holding their spots and as they were having more children. So it was almost like, you know, she was just like, you know, the person that for them, they were just grateful to have this, you know, preschool for their family so once their kids eventually moved on to you know to big big people's school big kids school um you know it just sort of moved through so they all created a community and this was like such a a wonderful business that she had and she had loyal 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 customers loyal families and when she decided to close that up because she built it in a way that was more you know by default Mm -hmm. there was nothing to sell in the end So she didn't her. a great deal of money into the business. Right. And, um, but there was nothing to sell because there you go. And it was a good, good 12, 13 years of, of, of work that she put in there. So yeah. I, I think, you know, when you have that whole thing, oh yeah, I'm good at plumbing. And I, you know, I sort of started this business. It's never too late to start saying, how do I want to exit it? Mm-hmm. And it's not, you're saying, not saying that you're going to sell it but you should have the option to do so. And yes. all of the goodwill, you know, when you start looking at, you know, you know, companies, particularly like you start looking at a, at a, at a, at a preschool or a plumber, or whatever, all of that goodwill, people don't change plumbers. Mm-hmm. You know, your, your father, your father used that plumber, your grandfather used that, the, you know, his dad's plumber and the, the plumber stays with the family. Right. And all of the goodwill. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, when, when, 
when cousins get married and they have and they've bought their home oh yeah we use so and so that you know go with them because mm -hmm. we trust them right the same thing with doctors a lot of there are a lot of businesses that are small and mid-sized companies that are service-based companies where there is so much loyalty and goodwill and to not be able to sell it when it's time for you to leave yeah. and to retire or whatever you're you're selling all of that goodwill so it, it you're, you've lost all of that that you've invested in it so even if now you know if you have some audience members who are like well i've been in business for 15 years and I don't have a plan. Start now. Just really start now. It's possible to yeah. start now. Yeah. It's, I mean, when you sell these owners, they're more like the dancing bear, right? Like they have to show up. It's their face. It's their identity. And so when they go to sell it, it was like, well, yeah, I could buy your business, but I'm not you. Whereas when you build that brand, you make something that's an asset that's going to take over and carry on that goodwill. And because it's, you know, I'm doing business with Jefferson's plumbing, not I'm doing business with bob's plumbing and that's bob who's coming to my house exactly exactly and you know the thing is you know steven you can make it feel as if it's bob even though you could train for the sure bob way yeah even though it's ryan showing up at the door like right <laughs> yeah yeah and, and it's a way to make it work so yeah even like i think i was listening to um tony robbins and he was doing a a q a thing and someone was saying, yeah, well, you know, I kind of built my business um, because you know, it's, you know, I'm kind of the face of the business. I'm a little concerned about how it's, how am I going to, and Tony, Tony Robbins was like, I have that problem too, <laughs> you know, like, because, you know, his business, but he's like, I've, I figured out how I can do this. So if I can figure out how you, I can do it, you can figure out how you can do it. Right. Mm -hmm. The idea is there's so many businesses that, um, I mean, you know, like think of one, like Tommy Hilfiger's company, Tommy Hilfiger, he's his, he was the brand for so long. I mean, he was the one walking on the runway when he would do fashion week, right? It was Tommy Hilfiger, but really? he sold, he sold that business 15 years ago. No one knows. No one even thinks about it. Hmm. People still buy Tommy Hilfiger clothing. Yeah, that's I had no idea. I mean, that's really cool. That's yeah. I had no idea he was like the image and brand. It's yeah, pretty I mean, you know, that, that whole sort of Americana thing that he was doing and, you know, it was very much, you know, Tommy Hilfiger. Obviously, he figured out early days or at some point that he needed to find a way to sort of transition out. But and he was still a part of the business for um, a long time. And this is what happens, you know, a lot of these times when you're the founder of the business, they'll, they'll sort of keep you on for a period of time, advise, blah, blah, blah. And then you kind of move out for companies that if you're the name of the brand, I mean, if a company like Tommy Hilfiger can sell, um, then, mm -hmm. you know, you can sell, you know, Bob yeah. can sell his plumbing company. Oh, for sure. And it makes sense, right? Like they keep on because they want to make sure they capture the soul and the essence of what makes that brand unique. And if they right. just do a corporate takeover, they lose that. So it's, yeah. which is why it's so important to figure out what is the secret sauce of your business? What is it that makes you, you? Um, you know, what is it that, what are you really in the business of doing? And once you sort of figure out what is it thing, then you document that stuff and you train your people to do it. And this is how we do it and be anal retentive about making sure that those are the things that you do. Because once you do that, then no matter if someone, you know, someone can come around and make, you know, oh, well, I can be as good as Bob's plumbing. 
but they don't have the secret sauce. So you're not really Bob's plumbing, are you? Right? Because there's something that Bob did that made him build a business and made people say, yeah, I got to keep going to them. And it, and it can be really simple, stupid things that we think is stupid, but mm -hmm. actually are the things that make you stay. Like, what is something that you're loyal to? Like, we talked about the cartoons, right? There are things that oh, yeah. we're loyal to that we don't even realize. Yeah. There's I mean, coffee shops up here in the Seattle area, right? Like Starbucks, oh. I think it was Pete's Coffee. Starbucks bought it. And, or maybe something that's best coffee. I don't remember what it was, but some coffee brand. Yeah. And they didn't rebrand it. Like they kept it that brand's thing. So people would have that same experience that they were loyal to because they weren't loyal to Starbucks. They were loyal to this other coffee brand. And they didn't just, you know, want to turn them into Starbucks. It was keeping that customer base and that experience and their yeah. environment yeah. as this other entity. Entity. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Stephen, I think one of the things that I've noticed as I speak to, you know, I always call myself this, you know, small business champion, because I think that a part of the reason why small business owners don't recognize their own power to be able to sell it or their own sort of, you know, um, the sauce, the secret sauce and why mm -hmm. it's so important, because I think that small business owners don't really realize the importance that small, small businesses have on the economy mm -hmm. uh, when you start looking at the numbers you know in the u.s so you know it's higher in europe and it's higher in africa and it's higher in asia in the u.s two-thirds of employees are hired by a small business 95 percent of businesses in the u.s are small businesses i'm not talking about mid-size we're talking about small now you start looking at Europe, it's 99. This is not a small number. And the impact that we have, okay, we can always say, okay, yes, small businesses run local economies. Okay, yes, you know, the, you know, the taxes, infrastructure, we've got, you know, the number of um, the people that are employed, obviously the contributions to, to charitable causes, all of that. But when you start extrapolating that to national economies and then to the global economy, you really are looking at small businesses really are running this. So if you hold your head up and say, wait a minute, my business is really important. And, and then if you start looking at, okay, even if you have a, a small team, a team of five, okay, mm -hmm. five people, that's five families who you are feeding and supporting and whomever they are, you know, whoever, you know, who like if, you know, the hairdresser they're using, the dry cleaner they're using, you know, the the person that comes in and helps to you know, take care of their kids, all of these different ways that your tentacles are out there. Um, not to mention, obviously, sort of infrastructure ways to because you're paying for taxes. So this is not like an it's not like a hobby situation. It's not just like, oh, this is my little small business. This is a real important aspect and part of our economy and the global economy. As a result, if you can hold your head up a bit and recognize the importance of running a small business, you can begin to say, well, if that's the case, then I, what else could I do, right? Like, what else can I do if I, I could, you know, I am a business, I need to own it operate in it begin behaving like someone who you know who can sell it if i wanted to 
that's very empowering. I appreciate that. And so for all the business owners who are like, oh man, this makes a lot of sense. <laughs> like, I should have exit plans and I've been having these roadblocks and like going onto Facebook and posting like, can someone give me a one-liner advice? Where can these people come find you? Because obviously they need some help here. <laughs> yeah, if you find yourself feeling like you're dealing with some of those symptoms of chaos that I described earlier, um, I have a I have a, a PDF that I created. It it really helps sort of highlight some of it. The title is the eight true culprits that are causing chaos in your in your business. And it really outlines some of the real fundamental problems that I have found small businesses are facing that are really causing some of the symptoms of chaos that they may be that may be showing up. So if you're having a hard time scaling, you have a cash problem, if you can't walk away from your business, you know, your whole thing with your team is messed up or you haven't even hired a team yet. You know, some of these things um, are, are symptoms of chaos, but and they're fundamental, but there are some fundamental problems that are causing chaos that will help you. So I have a list there. It describes how you can begin to address them mm -hmm. in your business and, and begin to kind of at least bring awareness to them. So maybe you can do some, some shifts there. And so I'd love for you to, if, if you feel like that's you, Mr. Business owner out there, Mrs. Business owner out there, go ahead and go to uh, www.nobusinesschaos.com because chaos is the enemy of business. So nobusinesschaos.com and go ahead and download it and take a look at it, rule through it. If you feel like, you know, it's helpful, um, run with some of those suggestions. If you feel like, you know, you might need some additional help, me and my team are here. We'd love to help. That's phenomenal. And can before we wrap it up, is there anything that you wish I'd ask you or that you want to revisit or anything else that you wanted to add before we close out? You know, I, I said it earlier, but I'm going to say it again. You know, we're talking a lot about, you know, the importance of small businesses and why chaos is really not a good thing in it. I want to reiterate, the four main reasons why businesses fail, not small businesses, all businesses fail. Lack of cash, right? Mm -hmm. Inability to scale, you burn out and employee problems. So this is not really about, oh, these are nice to have, or yeah, this problem's existing, but it's no big deal. You know, running a business is kind of chaotic anyway. I kind of like the thrill of the rush. No, your business will fail if you don't address some of these major problems. So I think it's important that um, we not, because the number of people that, the number of business owners that are investing all this time and their energy and their resources into running businesses and these other little pesky things are showing up, they are really actually big problems they escalate to big problems and i don't ever like to hear oh yeah you know i had this business it was going well for a couple of years but in the end i had to lose it mm. i don't ever like to hear that story ever so please address these problems look into them because you can you definitely can run your business smoothly and thrive and have a life <laughs> that's fun with that awesome okay well, thank you so much for being on subject change and everyone else thank you for listening thank you Stephen. Thank you for listening to Subject Change. Please like, subscribe, leave a review of our podcast. And if you have any questions, if there's a business you would like to see featured on our podcast or 
a niche or something you want to learn about, drop us a message or an email and let us know. Be happy to, to interview someone and answer those questions. Thanks again for listening.